Blog Talk Radio.
get on with it then. We're going to get it started, of course, with our quick three. Got three little stories to touch on real quick before we get into the meat and potatoes of the show. Uh, first story has to cu- has to do with uh, Duke basketball team. Um, their first draft of their schedule came out, and they don't have an opponent listed for November 12th uh, coming up this uh, season. The reason why is because their original opponent, uh, Albany, were supposed to face them, but because of uh, because of the uh, HB2 law that North Carolina has adopted and New York Governor Andrew Cuomo's executive order banning publicly funded non-essential travel to North Carolina, Albany, which is a part of the state University of New York system, uh, is not going to be a part of the uh, event. Uh, the Blue Devils are supposed to be playing two on-campus games as part of the Hall of Fame tip-off tournament uh, that was supposed to be taking place. Uh, they already have an opponent on November 11th against the Grand, against Grand Canyon, but there's still no you know, opponent named for the 12th. Um, originally, in the, that same first version of the schedule, the Blue Devils were scheduled to face Marist, but then uh, after Albany was taken out, but as as of an hour after that version was after that first version was uh, released. An amended version was released having a vacancy for that day and at the Hall of Fame notified Duke that its opponent had not been yet has not yet been confirmed. So right now, um, they uh, right now Duke does not have an opponent on November the twelfth, uh, at their uh, at Cameron Indoor Stadium, uh, for that tournament. Uh Duke Maris, Grand Canyon, Albany were scheduled to be a part of that tournament along with Cincinnati, Penn State, Rhode Island, and Brown. Uh, Duke, Cincinnati, Penn State, and Rhode Island are the host schools for the on-campus rounds and are each contracted to have two home games. So right now, again, because of the HB2 law signed by Governor Pat McCrory, uh, there will be no, right now, Duke does not have a second home team opponent for the Hall of Fame tip-off tournament. Uh, so, looks like that law seems to be really causing a lot of issues. Uh, there's been uh, news that, is, is our second story, there's the news that Manny Pacquiao looks to be making a return to the boxing ring uh, either at the end of October or first part of November in, in the main event of the HBO pay-per-view in Las Vegas. Uh, as many people know, after he defeated Timothy Bradley back in April, he announced his retirement to focus on uh, winning a seat on the Senate in his home country of the Philippines. But apparently, according to uh, boxing promoter Bob Arum, uh, Pacquiao may make his return on August the 29th or November the 5th. Uh, possible opponents were... Possibly Andrea Bronner, but they said that won't happen due to a crazy number asking price that Bronner's representatives have put out there. Terrence Crawford and Jesse Vargas um, are also rumored opponents. But when that news story came out, Manny Pacquiao took to his Facebook page and denied the uh, report that he's contemplating the return to the ring. Uh, he said on his Facebook page, quote, there is no truth to the to media reports that I'm planning to take a leave from my Senate duties just to fight atop the ring. Uh, he also stated that a fight has not been accepted him, and if there was any chance of there being a fight, it would happen when Congress was on recess with his entire training camp taking place in the Philippines. He would go on to say, quote, when I ran for Senate last May 9th election, I've made a promise to the chief president at all sessions. I owe it to the people, end quote. So, yeah, Bob Arrow said, yeah, he's coming back uh, in October, early November, but Pacquiao has dismissed those rumors as false. So, for right now, those look like Manny Pacquiao is going to remain in retirement and enjoy his time being on a, uh, being a senator in his country of the Philippines. Uh, same as Manny as Manny's 
opponent before Boy Mayweather was enjoying retirement being uh, money matching. Anyway. Uh, and finally, on the quick three, uh, on Wednesday, today, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit denied a request from Tom Brady for a rehearing of his four-game suspension that was imposed upon him by the NFL as part of the Deflate Gate scandal. Uh, barring an appeal from the Supreme Court, uh, Brady's four-game suspension for his role in this controversy will stand, and he will have to serve it beginning this coming season. The uh, NFL Players Association released a statement on Wednesday saying, quote, we are disappointed with the decision denying a rehearing as there were clear violations of our collective bargaining agreement by the NFL and Commissioner Roger Goodell. Despite today's result, the track record of this league office when it comes to matters of player discipline is bad for our business and bad for our game. We have a broken system that must be fixed, end quote. Um, Brady's suspension, as many people remember, was reinstated by the Second Circuit back in April, overturning an earlier, an earlier ruling by District Court Judge Richard Berman. Uh, the ruling that Berman made vacated the suspension in time for the Patriots' first game of the season, but the NFL did file an appeal. Uh, Brady is expected, according to NFL.com, Ian Rappaport, to uh, accept the Supreme Court appeal. Uh, it is considered unlikely that the Supreme Court would hear this case uh, that according to SportsIllustrated.com, SI.com's legal analyst Michael McCann, as the court only hears about 1% of the cases it is sufficient to hear. Um, barring if the Supreme Court does hear the case, Brady will miss games against the Arizona Cardinals, Miami Dolphins, Houston Texans, and Buffalo Bills. He will be eligible to return uh, in week five against the Cleveland Browns. And uh, that is it for your question. All right. Oh, man. Let's kick this what off. Where, where do we begin? Uh, let's start well, off with tennis. We can begin with what? Tennis. Let's go with tennis. Serena. Over the over the weekend, Serena Williams won her seventh Wimbledon title, which adds up to twenty two major titles for a career. Signed Steffi Graf for the most Steffi Graf for the most by a woman. I mean, let's talk about the dominance of Serena real, real quick. I mean twenty two major titles, and she's only 34. At the level that she she plays at. uh, What I was going to say is at the level that she plays at, man, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, one one more major, she breaks the record. I mean, she has a chance to actually actually add on to that record. Like, she has a chance to win at least 26 titles by the time she calls it a career. I mean, what can, what exactly can you say is. about that? I mean, and also you have to think about this. Not only did she win the Women's uh, uh, women's, women's, women's Championship this year, she also won the Doubles Championship with her sister Venus uh, over the weekend as well, making it the sixth Wimbledon Championship for the sisters as a team. So that just goes to show you yeah. that Serena is just, I mean, she has transcended the tennis game to, to new heights. Just like how Tiger Woods back in 99, 2000 transcended the game of golf with his phenomenal, his phenomenal dominant play, uh, Serena's doing the same thing with women's tennis. I mean, the fact that she, is, she has now a record-tying 22 Grand Slam titles and she's only 34. She still has some years left in her to maybe to break that record and really add to her and really add to her legend. She'll have another chance. She'll have a, a chance to break that record 
uh, at the U.S. Open next month up in um, Flushing Meadows, New York. So that'll be all eyes are going to be on or uh, are going to be on Serena uh, in New York, in New York, um, as she tries to break the record at the uh, U.S. Open, which is the championship she has won uh, as part of her 22 uh, major championship victory. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, she's transcending the sport. Uh, she, she is taking tennis, women's tennis especially, to new levels, new heights. I mean, you can't describe what she means to this game. Like, I mean, first, I mean, when you first say the word tennis, Serena, Serena Williams' name pops up first. I mean, it's just like she she made tennis a real phenomenon. She she is the Michael Jordan of tennis at this point. I mean, you cannot argue her greatness. You can't argue argue her hard work and dedication, her training. You can't argue her dominance nor legacy. I mean, nope. You just can't. <laughs> She will go really down can't. in like, history as just, the greatest. She she might go down as the greatest tennis player ever, male or female. She's getting that. She's getting close to that. Like I think that if she continues on the the, the route that she's going, she will basically go down as one of the greatest tennis players of all time. Uh, either male or female. It's just, it's just what's going to happen. I just see it happen. Um, and yeah, it's going to come down to it. It's just, some, it's just that's what she's doing. That's what she's doing. But uh, I can't wait. I can't wait to see what she's going to do uh, at the U.S. Open if she's going to get that record-breaking 23rd major championship victory there. Uh, or if she's going to get it uh, maybe later on down the line at the Australian Open. But right now, all eyes are going to be on on her. Definitely. Yep. I mean, she has a chance to make history this year. And honestly, I think she can do it. I mean, it's nothing you can't put past her. I mean, she is truly the best thing that tennis really has an offer right now. I mean, not taking anything away from Venus or Sloan Stevens, who still has some years to grow. But, I mean, Serena's dominance is just unreal. I mean, even when she loses, it's like you still see that effort and that work behind, behind her. Like, I mean... You be Serena, I mean, shoot, you had a great day. But, I mean, just to think about her just doing that, man, it's going to be, man. (laughs) I can't even really describe it, though. But congratulations again. Congratulations again, Serena. Yeah, congratulations to Serena Williams. Speaking of... Speaking of history-making, another history-making event took place uh, over the weekend uh, out of the MMA world, and that was the 200th event, pay-per-view event uh, for the the United Fighting Championship, the UFC, and Ultimate Fighting Championship, I'm sorry, and I got to say, I watched that event, and it definitely lived up to the hype of it being such a history-making and big, big event. Um, I want to go over the results of the card real quick, and then we can just we can talk about it real quick before we move forward to uh, another big story that's taking that's taking place in sports. Um, first off, uh, in some of the uh, prelims, uh, the FS1 prelims saw stage. Northcutt uh, defeat Enrique Marine by a unanimous decision of 29-28 straight across the board uh, to get the victory. 
the 20 year old was just in his uh, ninth pro fight uh, and did struggle during that fight but was able to uh, to hold on and get the victory over Enrique Marine uh, CJ Dillashaw uh, defeated Rafael Asunco uh, in his first fight since losing the UFC Bantamweight Championship. Uh, Dillashaw put on a great uh, striking clinic against Rafael to uh, defeat the Brazilian who he lost to three years ago. He won by unanimous decision at 30-27 across the board to uh, get his victory and has won five of his last six fights. Um, Kelvin Gastelum defeated Johnny Hendricks uh, by a unanimous decision. 29-28-30-27-30-27. In his second uh, full camp at King's MMA, gets a victory, showed his quickness, um, and landed some big shots to earn the unanimous decision. And in the main event of the prelim, Juliana Pena, defeated Kat Singano in a workmanlike 29-28 cross-the-board unanimous decision um, with using a lot of uh, using a lot of controlling of the fight, even though Kat did take the first round with a bunch of, a lot of takedowns and ground and pound. Um, Pena now has extended her winning streak to four to decide the second best in the women's bantamweight division and that moves her up the rankings in the bantamweight division. And we're going to talk about the bantamweight division in a minute. Now, the main card. This is what, what was the fun part of the, of the night, was the main card. The main card was amazing. Uh, heavyweight Cain Velasquez in, uh, finishes off Travis Brown by TKO with a fury of strike to get the victory at 447 in the first round. Uh, earning his 12 career victories in the UFC, tied for the third most in heavyweight history, and is also his 10th KO slash TKO of his career, just the third all time behind the Spider Anderson Silva, who was part of the charge, and Victor Belfort. So, Kane Velasquez is looking to climb back up into the uh, heavyweight division and in the heavyweight championship picture. Uh, Jose Aldo defeated Frankie Edgar to take the interim UFC featherweight championship. Uh, as many people know, Conor McGregor is the, F, is the uh, official UFC featherweight champion, but he's currently fighting in the welterweight weight class. So now Aldo will be representing the featherweight at the top of the tree after he got um, a 49-46, unanimous decision. Many people know Jose Aldo was the one that Conor McGregor defeated for that championship a few months ago. Anderson Silva, on 48 hours' notice, returned to the octagon and had a, a match against Daniel Cormier, who was supposed to face John Bones Jones before Bones Jones was pulled from the fight for a positive uh, success from the U.S. Anthony Agency. Cormier who was expected to fight Jones and was very had a very heavy heart, was able to outlast Silva and defeat him 30-26, 30-26, 30-26 by unanimous decision in what was a very slow-paced, ground-based uh, fight against what many people consi- who many people consider one of the greatest champions in UFC history. Uh, but here's what we were all waiting for. One of the co-main events, the return of Brock Lesnar to the octagon, and Brock Lesnar returned in spectacular form and fashion, putting on a wrestling clinic against the eighth-ranked heavyweight Mark the Super Samoan Hunt, securing the 29-27 across the board unanimous decision victory. Uh, Lesnar landed 51 significant strikes with a combined force taken out to total eight minutes of the 15-minute fight to get the unanimous decision victory. And finally, uh, Misha Tate, in her first title defense as UFC Women's Bantamweight Champion, she lost. She lost after she um, 
was put into the rear naked chokehold and tapped out six, three minutes and 16 seconds of the first round to the new champion, Amanda Nunes. So now Amanda Nunes is now the undisputed women's bantamweight champion and the fourth undisputed women's bantamweight champion to uh, hold the championship. Uh, so now time to just wait to see who will be next to try for that championship. But that was the card in and of itself. And like I said, it was an amazing card. Amazing. Honestly, I didn't even catch it. Uh, I was knocked out. Brother <clears throat> had to work in the morning, but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I did catch the recap on it. Like the Beast Brock Lesnar, the Beast Incarnate Brock Lesnar made his return when he was still in great form. Like I mean, man, that dude. I mean, the way that dude trains is. It's scary, but at the same time, it's very, very inspiring. Like, just to see, I mean, just how seriously he takes his training and mixed martial arts and everything, pretty much everything he does, even even football for real. I mean, he was this close to making an NFL roster, coming in with zero football experience. I mean, it's just amazing, man. I mean, Brock Lesnar is a true athlete. But I, it's funny, though. Uh, it was this meme that I saw. It says, a fake wrestler beats up, defeats a UFC fighter. It's funny because it took me back to that tweet that Dana White had put posted on Twitter, like I believe, like last year or two years ago, where he pretty much said that wrestling is fake, blah blah blah. And I remember uh, Bubba Ray Dudley responded to him at the time he was a bully Ray at TNA. He responded to it, saying that it's he at first his first response was. It's funny coming from a guy coming from a guy who owns a sport where his where his uh main attraction is a female. Then he was like, "All he is that I spit breaking bones, injuries, this that, and the other. Wrestling isn't fake. Tell it to my body for all the years that it has went." From all the things that it has went through, so it was like once I saw that meme, it brought me back to that, and I died laughing. I died laughing because I mean, it was funny to me. Like I mean, people say, "Well, Brock is not a, a fake wrestler." Technically, he's still a wrestler. <laughs> he's still under contract with the WWE. So, I mean, even though he does have an amateur background, national champion. And a mixed martial arts background, but still, he's still a WWE star. I mean, that's where his uh, star begun to shine at. <laughs> yeah, let, let's sit back and forget about the fact that Brock Lesnar, in his fourth UFC fight, won the UFC Heavyweight Championship of the World. Let's forget the fact that he was able to put down a legend in Randy Couture, uh in a short period of time being in the UFC. Let's forget about all that, you know. I mean, let's but come on. I mean, granted, five years ago when he was doing UFC, he, like, towards the tail end of his first run in UFC, he was dealing with a multitude of injuries that affected his performance. But look at this. Five years later, having never, having not stepped foot in the octagon in five years, this man came in against a man who's been in the octagon consistently and was and a top 10 heavyweight competitor, and he beat him by unanimous decision. Three rounds, and he beat him. But we're going to forget about all that because he's still a, quote, fake wrestler. Like, let's, exactly. let's be for real here. Let's be for real here. Like, if that performance on Saturday night does not, does not change people's minds about Brock Lesnar, I don't know what will. 
Brock Lesnar used his amateur wrestling background to control a top 10 heavyweight for 8 of 15 minutes. 8 of 15 minutes. That's nearly 70, that's almost 80% of the damn fight that he had control over this dude. And you mean to tell me that he can't get no credit because he's a quote-unquote fake wrestler? I'm doing the air quotes, but you can't see it because we're on radio and everything. But I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah, I mean, I, I did them earlier, you know. That, 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 that boggles my mind that people cannot, under any circumstances, give this man credit for going into a, going into a sport where there are no predetermined things. There are no scripts. They don't call spots. None of that. And he won after being away for five damn years. I don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, you know, at the time, you know, Dana White was still taking shots at professional wrestling. Because, I mean, think about it. I mean, at that point, that was really his main competition. Now you look at it like, who is UFC's biggest draw? I mean, yep. Rousey is still chilling. I mean, Jim Jones, John Jones can't stay clean. I mean, who? Else, I mean, you still got Diaz, but eh, you still. I will say you got my uh, McGregor, but eh. I mean, here's the funny thing you're brought, about Dana. Here's the funny thing about Dana White having thing, it. Though. Go ahead, go ahead. It's it's funny though. For wrestling for wrestling to be fake, it's funny how Dana White calls up Brock Lesnar, the fake wrestler, to return to UFC two hundred. Just so he can have someone who can actually make a draw. That fake wrestler. You had the you had the guy who hasn't fought at you in UFC in over five years, the guy who became went back to professional wrestling, the fake wrestler. So you called him up so he can participate, so you can actually make a draw. I'm done. And not only that, but they also promoted WWE things on the damn on the damn telecast. They advertised Brock Lesnar's appearance at SummerSlam. They advertised Brock Lesnar being on the cover of WWE 17. Like, come on now, 2K17. Come on, son. Come on, son. Well, they had to. They had to. Honestly, you know why they did that. You know why they did that. You know why. Because that was the only way WWE was going to really allow... Them to borrow Brock <laughs> while he was still under contract. Because you know, under contract with oh, WWE, no. you really can't do anything else. But I'm not going to knock Brock. But at the same time, like, okay, it was like, all right, well, uh, y'all can have y'all can y'all can y'all can uh, use Brock. But at the same time, y'all going to promote our stuff. They had to. Well, I mean, also Brock. Brock does have a clause in the contract where he can do a UFC fight. He does have that clause in oh, the wow. contract. That's part of the that's part of the thing too. Uh but the other thing I want to discuss before we move on is the state of the women's women's bantamweight division. Ronda Rousey dominated that division for a long period of time. But ever since but ever since she lost that championship to Holly Holmes, that championship has passed has passed around more than a hooker at a millionaire's club lounge. There have been three wow. champions in the past two and a half, three months or so since Ronda Rousey lost that championship. Holly Holm managed to beat her, uh, managed to beat her, knocking her out, and then her first title defense lost to Misha Tate. Misha Tate made her trap, like beat her down, got the championship. Then Misha Tate's first title defense just passed Saturday. Amanda Nunes. Passed out to Amanda Nunes. 
Ronda Rousey was the standard bearer of the women's bantamweight division, and now that championship has seen three new champions in the last three and a half, four, like in the last several months. Soon, Ronda Rousey will be back, and as soon as she gets that championship back on her, I don't see really any fight taking it from her. I don't see it. Because if Holly Holm comes back for that championship, Ronda Rousey is going to know how to deal with her, and she's going to have something for that ass. Lisa Tay tried to come for that championship. She got something for that ass. Amanda Nunez, if she defends that title against Ronda Rousey and Ronda Rousey beat her, Ronda Rousey got something for that ass too. Right now, the women's bantamweight division is wide open. But wait until Ronda Rousey comes back. Once she comes back and is back to form, that women's bantamweight, the top of that division is going to be on lock. Like, and I'm putting this here's, on the right here's now. Something funny. When it happens, People know, and I'm done. Here's something. Here's something that's gonna make you chuckle real quick. Okay. Right now will be the perfect time for her to come back. Right. I mean, she she took her time off. I'm sure that she studied tape of Holly Holm. I'm sure that she didn't. Well, she's beaten Misha Tate, so. But think about it. Right now, you the title that you lost has seen three different title holders since you lost it. Apparently, none of the women can hang on to that title longer than their first defense. I mean, they're dropping a belt soon as they defend it, their first match. So, with that said, I'm like, if I'm if if I'm Wanda Rousey, I'm like, okay, it's. I mean, I lost the belt, but none of these chicks can hold that can hold the title like I did. They can't dominate this division the same way I did. They can't even make it out of their first defense with the belt. So, from Ronda Rousey, I'm like, you know what? It's time to come back. It's time to come back and take what's mine. Because if I don't, that title is going to continue to get passed around to a a bunch uh, bunch of different hands. That title needs to be on one shoulder the way that it was when Ronda was champion. And right now, it's not. It's not at all. Ronda Ronda Rousey lost her championship on November the 14th, 2015. In the last Eight months. It'll be eight months tomorrow, Tuesday. In the last eight months, there have been three different champions in the last eight months. So I'm telling you, yeah. if you come back, that division about to be put on. <laughs> Honestly, she should cash him right now. Uh huh. Wait, wait. I think, don't like, we got another? Yeah, like, it's like, I guess it's, yeah, yeah, I mean, right now, it's the worst time to cash. Honestly, at the rate that the belt is being passed around, you might as well consider it as either money in the bank or the hardcore title from when it was under the 24-hour rule. Or the piece of fire contract or something like that from TNA. <laughs> exactly. Oh, God. Wow. <laughs> that, that's just cool. But, I mean, I, I mean, look, uh, seriously, I mean, I, like I said, right now would be the best time for her to come back. Because for the past eight months, the UFC, UFC that division hasn't had a stable champion. They haven't had a dominant champion. They haven't had a champion that can actually hold on to that belt. So right now, it, it will be the perfect time for Ronda to make her return. Go ahead and do our media thing. Show them that, show the world that she's on her road to redemption and bada bing, bada boom. Uh, let's see. We are at two. 
20 well, minutes. I think, okay. I think, uh, I, I think we need to get to the heart of this matter. Yeah, I heard of UFC got sold this weekend. Yeah, $2 billion? Yeah. I need more details on that, though. Well, uh, but let's yeah, let's really get well, going to the heart of the matter. Oh, snap! We forgot all about. Oh, oh, one thing I did want to uh to bring up before we got to the heart of the matter. Um, I I just want to say uh right as for well, people who are watching the ESPYS, they're actually they're on ABC, not ESPN. I'm not I'm not gonna say I don't understand that, but. Yeah, um, it, I was watching a Courage Award. That's that's the one part that really that really caught my attention. It was a story. It was a story from uh, last year, actually. This year's Courage Award recipient, Xavion uh, Dot uh, Dotson. Uh, he was a football. Uh, football slash basketball player. He was uh, he was a high school football and basketball player. He got caught in the middle of a uh, gang fire or uh, gunfire. He where he actually sacrificed his life to save two of his friends. Yeah, I heard about. He that. lost his yeah. life at. Uh, he, got, he lost his life at the age of 15. Yeah, he stood in the line of fire to save two of his friends who were um, caught in the middle of gunfire and ended up being shot and killed. I, I know, yeah, I remember that. That is a well-deserved honor for him to get that Courage Award uh, posthumously uh, because of the fact that he sacrificed his own life to save his friends. Um if, if if it was up to me, he would get it twice, and he would take the last year's award from that jabroni. Uh, uh, See, I, I, I was trying to actually shine right on this young man without bringing up that. Oh, bringing up that travesty! God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I I, I did want to bring it up, but um, I still want to I still want to congratulate this young man. Though I mean, rest in peace. Maybe on, um, I mean, let's just be real with it. I mean, this this guy did something that a lot a lot of people, grown people, wouldn't do. He risked his life to save two people's lives. Yeah, he did. He did. So, well deserved honor indeed. Uh, but I want to definitely a, get into. What was that say? Uh, I was gonna say I was gonna say the part uh, like just watching the uh, the presentation for him, the little uh, documentary film on him. Uh, it was actually narrated by uh, Michael B. Jordan. Was, uh, they showed a, they showed a part of it where the cop was reading uh, reading the report, and the cop actually froze to try to fight off his tears from what happened. Like I mean. I mean that's just I mean that's just something that really gets to you because I mean imagine trying to trying to watch just seeing that for the first time and you like oh my god like wow I mean that's just a real tearjerker right there. And I'm done. Um, but speaking of speaking of uh, our deserved moment back to possibly cheer jerkers, uh, the long-awaited, uh, or long-awaited announcement that everybody was waiting for happened on Monday regarding the uh, the future of the man who was a franchise and the cornerstone of the San Antonio Spurs, uh, that being Tim Duncan. Uh, on Monday, he made it official that after 19 seasons. In the NBA with one team, uh, he would call it a career and walk off and walk off into the sunset. 
uh, Tim Duncan, who was the number one overall pick in the 1997 NBA draft, uh, spent his entire career in San Antonio, uh, 15-time All-Star, 10-time first-team All-NBA selection, two-time NBA MVP, um, and also won uh, won several NBA championships. Uh, he was a two-time NBA finalist MVP award winner. Uh, and an eight-time member of the NBA's all-defensive team. Uh, so, this Tim Duncan was uh, just someone who was just a cornerstone of what uh, of such a talented dynasty of a team such as the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, during Duncan's career, the team boasted a 7-10 winning percentage, which was the best of any team in four major American sports leagues over that nearly 20-year span. Uh, only Kobe Bryant, whose career ended the same year um, after 20 years uh, with the Lakers, played more NBA seasons for a single franchise in league history. Chill, you are a San Antonio first fan through and through. Go ahead and give the people your reaction to the news that the the man who was a franchise is now uh, calling it a career. And just like honestly, I was not ready for this. I mean, I knew it was bound to happen someday, but I wasn't ready for this. I wanted to see Tim go out on top. I wanted to see Tim to get that last parade that Kobe got, which he deserved. I didn't want Tim to just up and say, you know what, I'm calling it a career, just like that. Oh, I mean, I wanted to see Tim Duncan have his moment, his final moment. I mean, honestly, as a fan, I feel like I didn't get to see that. I mean, yes, they made it to the playoffs, but I mean, uh, I mean, nobody knew that was going to be it. You wanted to, I mean, I, I, the people wanted to be able to send Tim Duncan off the way that he was supposed to be sent off. His teammates, his fans, the fans of the NBA, like he deserves all, all of that. And to see him just walk away without it, I mean, it, I mean, I ain't gonna lie, that that does bother me. I mean, I understand that it was his, it, it was his decision, but I just wanted to see Tim have his moment, have his final moment as the king of the mountain, walking away from the game on top, or walking away to a standing ovation. Having celebrities come out to see him play for the very last time. Yeah. Having his game the highest rated game. Like, I mean, it was just, it, I mean, it was like, hey, it was like he announced his retirement without nothing special going along with it. I mean, he's had a brilliant career. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Tim Duncan is a class act. He is the definition of what an NBA player should be overall. Class act, humble, perfect teammate, perfect leader. Honest, at this point, like, I mean, I'm just like, you know what? It's cool. Um, thank you for everything that you, that you have done. Thank you for making me an NBA fan. Thank you for giving me so many great moments as a fan. Thank you for always being that role model, that class act, that guy who just has so much class. Thank you. Thank you for everything that you have done in these past 19 years. Thank you for being one of those last pieces of my childhood. 
Because honestly, I, it's been a it's been a blessing to see you play. I don't care what anybody else says about how boring the fundamental style is. My my argument to that. It can't be too boring to where it still can get you wins. That's the point. Everybody always talk about basketball needs to be more exciting or it's more exciting teams than the Spurs or players than Tim Duncan, but look what this man has accomplished with basic fundamentals. I mean, nothing fancy, nothing fancy about this game at all. But you got all this razzle-dazzle that can't stop that couldn't stop the fundamentals, that couldn't guard the fundamentals. Tim, you will be missed. Honestly, I wish I would have been able to see you off on a bigger stage. But it is what it is. It happened for a reason. Thank you. Very well said, man. That's very well said. That's just, I believe that's just basically the sentiment of every fan, as I know, first fan out there uh, when it comes to Tim Duncan. I mean, his nickname was the big fundamental for a reason. You just mentioned it. He was all about fundamentals in basketball. He wasn't about flash. He was a very, he didn't want the fame and the notoriety. He just wanted the accomplishments of championships and, you know, help his team win championships. And because of him, San Antonio Spurs in their 19 seasons having him in the lineup or a part of their team won five championships. Um, uh, they ended up, you know, he won the NBA Finals. He was the NBA Finals MVP three of those five championship uh, runs. Uh, two time, again, two time NBA MVP. Uh, 15 out of 19. Hello. Hello. Hello? 